and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. It's your girl, Sandra, coming back to recap not one, but two Chicago Red Stars games. Chicago Red Stars were on the road this past week, facing both Seattle and Portland in a series of cascading matches in the Pacific Northwest. And that's a lot of content for y'all, so you know I couldn't do it alone. No one could do it alone. I had to do it. Hang out with my homie, Claire, aka the Scam Originator. How you doing tonight? Doing all right. What a week. What a week. It, it was quite a week, my friend. Let me tell you. I, uh, I, t- I had some uh, personal time to use, so I used it. I thought, self, why don't you treat yourself and take a little vacay out to the Pacific Northwest? And by vacation, I mean maybe do some very minimal touristy things, but also definitely go watch the Chicago Red Stars play soccer as they embark on this playoff push and uh it was quite a couple of games that first match took place um just this past wednesday um against seattle rain and the chicago red stars and seattle rain played to a zero zero draw and uh literally holy smokes what a game. Uh, when I got off my plane, I was like getting all these like weird weather alerts. And uh, it was so wild because there were like these weather alerts about like the smoke and the hazy conditions and stuff. And I was like, wow, I think I might immediately regret this decision. Like, because it just was the new, the, what was in the news, it was being made like a huge, huge deal about. And I, I was a little, a little nervous about it. And um, the weather conditions and stuff like that were newsworthy all the way up and through until really like sort of Wednesday, you know, until till kickoff, really people were the league and stuff were figuring out like how they were going to handle this game. But um, I was there sort of in the midst of it all. What was it like sort of like reading that stuff or hearing about it like back locally, Claire? It's hard not being there. It's hard. I I've never, I've never been out to uh, the Pacific Northwest and I've never been, out west during a wildfire season so it's hard for me to even imagine what that feels like to uh to not only just be out living in it but to be expected to run around on a soccer field for 90 minutes in the middle of that so at the i I didn't even really know what to do with it to a certain extent other than uh you know hopefully trust that you know everyone's uh you know medical well-being was in the forefront of mind when they decided to play those matches yeah no for sure i mean and just to keep it real i'm not too sure if maybe the league knew how to move forward with this kind of match you know what i mean it's unexpected i mean this kind of overarching weather issue was obviously unexpected and has affected and will continue to affect multiple games so it's not obviously the league's fault that they're not sure what to do with it, but that doesn't necessarily mean they should be playing the games as scheduled. No, I feel you. And um, they ended up going ahead with this match under the condition that there were going to be additional quote unquote hydration breaks uh, in, in still in, for this game. So there was going to be a break at the 15 mark, the 30 minute mark, the 60th minute mark, the 75 minute mark. So it was like kind of interesting to see this game of soccer played almost like, not a regular game of soccer like it went from like two halves to really just sort of having like four periods of ball it was kind of 
kind of interesting to sort of see that play out on the pitch. And I know there's people out there who are probably wondering like, okay, cool. Like what is a hydration break going to do for like your lungs? Cause like hazy conditions, but I guess the idea for those type of breaks was obviously to just stop, reset, yeah, get some water, but maybe allow your lungs to sort of, you know, get a res for for a little bit. I, I'm I'm not too sure, but it was it was interesting to to say to say the least. But as far as like the actual play of the game for for the lineup for this one, again, short week, so I I, I assumed that there was going to be some a bit of player rotation, but you had listener and Ned Casey short. Uh, Katie Naughton, Julie Ertz, and Gilliland on the back line. Then you had Vanessa DiBernardo, Morgan Bryan, Danny Colaprico, um, sort of in your mid. And then you had Alyssa Motts, Sam Kerr, and actually Rosie White kind of running things out um, up top, more or less, for this team. What did you think of this uh, lineup when you saw a rollout, Claire? I thought it was strong. I mean, I was absolutely, obviously not surprised that, uh, you know, Yuki did not get the start. She's someone that they have to rotate just because there's only so many miles she still probably has left uh, on her legs. Um, I thought, it, considering the Seattle lineup that they were playing against, it made a lot of sense to me in that Seattle were missing a lot of key pieces. So if there was a, a game to maybe rotate a little bit more, this would be the one to do it versus the follow-up game uh, at Portland. Yeah, no, for sure. And and actually Megan Rapino for Seattle for this match ended up being um, a bit of a, a late game kind of scratch. I believe just the day before she was listed that she was going to be out uh, with some hip soreness. Um, I can't, I can't remember if it was left, right or, or whichever, but yeah, definitely Seattle was definitely missing some, some big players. Um, Giannis, Beverly Giannis again was, was one of them as well. So just, it was going to be interesting to see sort of how this game was going to play out. And I think from maybe the outside looking in on paper, um, maybe some folks out there might've believed that if there was going to be a game on this, Pacific Northwest trip that the Red Stars were going to take away with a victory, it might have been this uh, Seattle game. And while I don't disagree that that's maybe like, you know, not a, like a poor take, like, I mean, it's it's not, but I also at the same time sort of counter that with, well, with this team, like they played each other already two times prior to this final regular season matchup between them for their first time. And then they already had a, a 0-0 draw. And the other time was a one nothing win on a Sam Kerr goal in the 87th minute. It took nearly 90 minutes for a team to score in that prior game. Um, so I was almost not surprised when they played to a 0-0 draw. It was just disappointing in the sense where Chicago just had so many of these opportunities within this match to come away with a result other than a draw. It was definitely one of those we left points behind kind of vibes. Lydia Williams had a very, very good game. That's, I think, maybe the the more underrated thing about, yes, Seattle was missing a lot of pieces, and honestly, yes, Chicago probably should have done better. But um, Lydia Williams kept her team in that game multiple times. So um, I, I would say that yeah. she was probably the overall MVP of that match to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was it was honestly kind of ridiculous. And it was almost kind of like um, 
it was if just from a soccer, just a pure soccer enjoyment. Like it was how cool is it to see two sort of Australian national teammates just sort of go against each other like that? Like Sam Kerr versus Lydia Williams was pretty unreal that match. There was some moments there where, where Sam Kerr really could have put some some goals away and maybe even came away with more than just one. But, you know, Lydia Williams, it was just really, really her day. And you're talking about like not just sort of goals coming up in like the run of play or just like a general buildup. But I mean, the wrestlers were getting these opportunities via free kicks, you know what I mean? And via like uh corner kicks. So like they had all these like set piece opportunities and it was so wild. And eventually yes, like that sort of those questions sort of start creeping into your mind. And you like when you hit halftime or you hit like that early, like 50th minute in that early second half, you start that doubt or maybe like those questions come in your mind where you're like, are we starting to enter like missed opportunity sort of area? And I think maybe it almost kind of felt that way because you just saw the Red Stars continue to get more set pieces or more opportunities on goal and like this ball just wasn't going in the back of the net. I mean, you're talking like even just like total stats at the end of the game, you had like 14 to eight for total shots for the Red Stars, you know, total crosses was you know 29 to 14 so it's like you have like nearly double total stats there but even just in the the first half you know you had like 14 crosses versus you know Seattle's two or the eight shots that Chicago had versus Seattle's two so it was just kind of like to not see a goal happen and to get that sort of win is just a little you maybe kind of wondered like how things were going to go because there was sort of that vibe well it's like well now we got to look ahead and maybe bet on a place like Portland. And again, on paper, that's not necessarily always a place you want to bet on. So did it ever like kind of like, were there moments throughout this match where you were wondering like, well, if we're not going to get a goal now, it might not happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I said this on the podcast last week that for whatever reason, psychologically, it felt to me like Seattle was a more winnable game than Portland was. Uh, And yeah, the inability to finish is is a is a, an interesting thing and and also you know just maybe the reliance on Kerr to make things happen and she did make things happen you know the following game but um I still think that there are some pieces for Chicago where the supporting players uh their efficiency in front of goal has been pretty almost poor so they're generating a lot of offense but you, the clear chances, the lack of clear chances were, were kind of frustrating. But also Seattle's a great team. You know, they're in second. So it's hard It's hard to gauge. You know, you play one, two, and three in a row, and you start to think that every game is going to be like that. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens now when they move into theoretically the easier part of that final schedule. You know... <clears throat> What did you think of uh, Rosie White and her match against Seattle? I'm not too sure if you remember because I know we're talking about almost a week ago now. Yeah, um, I think Rosie White's work rate is really high, um, but it's it's difficult when she comes in uh, to replace someone as, like as technical as Yuki. It's just very different, and her playing style with Kerr's um, is maybe less intellectual in a way, but also I think, wasn't it, didn't Rory say after that game, just for her, 
I think we still underestimate just how injured she was at the beginning of the season. So it's hard for me even to super gauge exactly what the expectations should be from her. No, I feel you. I'm right there with you. And I think I, I asked him that. Uh, I think you're referring to the audio where I asked him after mm-hmm. after the Portland match, actually, about Rosie White, which is up on the recap right now. Folks can hear that. But um, before we end sort of talking about this match and start going into that Portland game, um, a player for me who I thought actually had a really, really fantastic game was, was Morgan Bryan. Um, I know that right now Sam Kerr is now, after this Portland game, leading the league in goals. And Yugi Nagasato has been this sort of amazing supportive player who has, you know, goals of her own and assisting on goals for other folks and um, helping create chances and stuff like that. And I feel like there weren't any goals that came out of this match, you know, to sort of go with that. But I feel like a lot of the run of play and stuff that the Red Stars were building throughout that game, Morgan Bryant had a huge, huge role in that and I just think it was another sort of strong game from her to sort of file away and put under her belt as you know she sort of continues to come back and you know find her form I agree um I would say obviously this season isn't over but I think it's fair to say at this point that Chicago's ability to do what they want to do on the field changed drastically when they got Morgan Bryan. And part of that has to do with T. Bernardo, you know, coming back from injury and Casey Short coming back from injury. But um, I think having Julie Ertz in defense and having Morgan Bryan in midfield gives the team a much higher opportunity to possess and, and to push the ball forward than they were before. And that's not that's not a knock on, you know, Huerta or anything. I just think that Morgan Bryan is starting to really find her feet with the team. And she's clearly been given a lot of range to kind of figure out the best place for her to be. So, uh, yeah, I really like the way that, that Bryan is playing for them. Yeah, same. I, I kind of can't wait to see how she sort of um, ends out this season. And then we could sort of evaluate at least at the very least the the half of a season that she's had because you know she Morgan Bryan has now been with the Red Stars for like two halves of a season sort of now <laughs> so we kind of don't really have like a whole season of Morgan Bryan to evaluate that so um eventually we're gonna get to a point where we can and I'm sort of looking forward to maybe sitting down like you know and and, and talking about that so I think in zero zero draws it's like you sort of have to try to dig a little deeper to maybe sort of find the areas <clears throat> in which, you know, you want to sort of analyze and discuss and maybe try to find those silver linings. And for me, um, that was one of them. I was a little nervous um, sort of com- going into this this Portland game be- just because of um, some of our flank play that was going on in this Seattle game. Uh, you had Casey Shore uh, eventually get subbed out for like right around, I believe it was like the 65th minute or so. Yeah. Um after taking like a bit of a knock and then Sarah Gordon um, ended up subbing on for her. And then Aaron Gillen, Aaron Gillen looked to sort of maybe have a bit of like frustrating moments on the pitch there at times, especially sort of down the stretch in that second half um, when Seattle started to really sort of string together some of their own opportunities. Um, They started to get a little more physical in their play. Um, Yellow cards were issued, you know, through the red stars. Um, 
and it just sort of was like kind of like all right so how 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 is this gonna you know sort of impact the team moving on heading into a place like like portland but um i thought overall it was a, it was a typical physical match between seattle and chicago i feel like they had three regular season matches that felt the same <laughs> no yeah matter, no matter what time no matter what time of the season it was yeah. it didn't matter all three i felt like all three of these matches were the same match almost yeah. yeah no i mean i think didn't we say last week we thought it would be low scoring in seattle uh turns out we were pretty yeah pretty right about that. pretty pretty correct yeah. shout out to lynn williams and you know what i'm gonna say shout out to to listen air too who i think actually had these last two games you know, really sort of showed who she is as far as a uh, goalkeeper for the Red Stars and in general and her standing sort of in the world as a goalkeeper. Um, I th- I'm liking her decision-making a little better. She's been off her line a lot quicker as far as cutting things off and stuff like that. And I think that sort of all was on display within a game like this, which I think <clears throat> the level of play that the Red Stars had within this match even though they weren't able to come away with a win to sort of take that into a place like Portland I thought was very very huge and in the post game like you had various players talking to us about all that stuff like as far as like the the hazing conditions and the smoky conditions and stuff like that and it was kind of interesting to hear that stuff come out of the post game because you had players like Jess Fishlock and Morgan Andrews sort of talk about these smoky and hazy conditions and kind of blowing them off. It was actually pretty, pretty funny. And they basically said that it was kind of nothing compared to Utah, that in fact playing in Utah was actually worse because you had the altitude involved and then the smoky, hazy conditions. And then it was especially hot that day when they played against Utah. So I guess to play this midweek game against the Red Stars, even though they were also coming off of short rest, Seattle from a tough game like that, they ended up kind of being an afterthought. And then talking to Danny Colaprico and Sam Kerr about it, um, that it was kind of like a similar feeling that it was a little difficult to sort of adjust to. But as the game kind of progressed, it ended up being this thing that they all, all the players sort of just kind of put in the back of their mind. And kind of became an afterthought. And I thought that was especially important because we weren't too sure, like, what the conditions were going to be in Portland. Because, again, this is all, like, West Coast sort of haze and stuff like that. But in this match in Portland, which we are going to talk about now, it's going to be a little bit of a longer episode, guys, with the two games and then a preview for Orlando. But um, with this game, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about those sort of hazy conditions, at least for for this week. Um, What were you hoping to sort of take – out of this match, Claire, like, what did you want to see from the Red Stars going up against Portland in Portland on a Saturday primetime match? Um, I, that's a good question. I wanted, I mean, I think I was really interested. Again, we talked about this last week to see how they were going to deal with Lindsay Horan. Um, I, after the Seattle game, I was a little bit worried about the outside back play, but also, I would say that for the Thorns, their outside backs are not necessarily the strongest part of their lineup. They're not weak by any means, but um, it's really that central central attacking midfield that, that holds most of the danger. Um, and so I was interested just to see how they were going to deal with that. I think Portland and Chicago always, there's an element of gamesmanship to the way they play each other, which can make for very exciting matches, but also... Uh, 
you know, you're always, you're always ready for some, some shenanigans when these two teams play each other on both sides. So I was more just waiting to see what exactly unfolded and whether uh, it was going to be a test of uh, Chicago's kind of mental fortitude again. Oh, it was a thrilling match. And oh, there were some shenanigans. And, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but this game ended up happening, and there was another draw for the Red Stars. Ended up being a 2-2 draw, so at the very least, it was an entertaining draw for everybody watching. Uh, you had two goals from Sam Kerr in the 44th and 49th minute, first assisted by Yuki Nagasato, and the second one by Vanessa DiBernardo. And then you had two goals for Portland. Uh, first one scored by Tobin Heath in the 60th minute, and then Christine Sinclair in the 69th minute, which was assisted by Tobin Heath. Um, but as far as the lineup, the starting 11 for the Chicago on, on this match, I also was sort of expecting some some more player rotation, and, and we ended up getting a little bit more of it. Um, you had Alyssa Nair in net, Aaron Gilliland, Julie Ertz, Katie Nodden, and Casey Short rounded out that back line, and everybody was happy to see that. I think people were a little nervous when she got subbed out. But she's all good. And then you had Alyssa Motts, Nikki Stanton, Morgan Bryant, Vanessa DiBernardo, Sam Kerr, and Yuki Nagasato just sort of rounding out that starting 11. Um, Claire, I know I've got things to say about it, but how did you feel seeing Nikki Stanton back in this lineup for the Red Stars? I thought it was great. I think she's a little bit like their secret weapon when uh, you think that they've exhausted all midfield options. Here comes uh, Nikki, the, the wrecker Stanton to uh, bust some heads and I thought yeah I thought it was great I think that um she's gotten less playing time than I actually would have expected over the last couple of weeks uh which maybe just has to do with how well that new midfield is adapting but um it felt like the right call to uh to bring her in yeah no I um when I, when I saw it I I liked it <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie I'm not agree with you I mean I think after that midseason trade and uh, getting Brooke Elby and then um, signing Morgan Bryan to the remainder of the season and then getting a player back like Vanessa DiBernardo, I think we started to see a player like Nikki Stanton sort of um, relegated to being the type of player that people thought she was going to be when this season started, which was just a, a good NWSL midfielder for depth on this 2018 Red Star squad, right? Yeah, LB is another one, though, who is not getting any playing time, and I think that that's interesting. Going on this road, this whole road trip and her getting no time is a little bit surprising to me. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on there, but you would think maybe with some of the vulnerability in the outside back play that she would have seen seen more minutes yeah possibly I can I can think of a game where she will probably definitely be getting some minutes (laughs) um um, it's coming up um but we'll talk about that when it when when it happens but um yeah I I wasn't I didn't hate this lineup uh when I when I saw it I I didn't know how to feel about Danny Colaprico not getting the start I if Nikki Stanton was going to be placed in the mid, I would have thought that maybe somebody like Alyssa Motts would have gotten um, arrest because Alyssa Motts has played a lot of minutes this season for the Chicago Red Stars. Um, and I, I just thought maybe it would have, we would have seen maybe like a, a midfield working out of like Cola Prico, Brian, and, and Nikki Stanton uh, would have been, I think, at the very least, a f- 
um, maybe an almost full 90 from them could have been cool. But again, short rest and having to rotate players like I get it. You got to kind of play the schedule you've been played. Right. But I think it was Rory Dames who in post game when I chatted with him a bit um, mentioned about hitting a wall you know, for a lot of his players that they expected coming into this match to eventually sort of hit that wall of fatigue, sort of coming off of a midweek match and being on short rest and sort of having to play in the conditions that they played in. And then sort of also coupling that for a player like maybe uh, Nikki Sen, who hadn't seen a lot of uh, minutes, um, just if we're going off of all the time that she saw in the first half of the season where she was getting starts and, and having excellent play and stuff like that. So you kind of he mentioned that wall about hitting it in the 60 and 70th minute, which I thought was um, pretty spot on because that is when the, the thorns ended up sort of getting their kind of back-to-back goals. Yeah. Um, the momentum swing in this game was, it was a little bit, it gave me a little bit of whiplash, even just watching it on the stream uh, about how, I mean, Chicago started out on the front foot and they were playing very well, but also that first goal was all Kerr. That was that was not so much a, a team goal as it was just Sam Kerr being one of the best strikers in the world. Um, and and then I, yeah, we I, I had the thought I had the thought immediately after Kerr scored her second right after halftime that it was too soon that for what that. <laughs> I, I, this seems like a weird thing to say, but it just seemed like they'd gone up to nothing. And there is obviously, you know, what a quote unquote, the most dangerous lead lead. Yeah. I was just like, gonna... There is a mental, <laughs> there's a mental aspect where you're way more likely to have a mental slip when you're up to nothing. And I knew they also were about to get very tired. So yeah. I was I just going to say like, would you say that two zero <laughs> is the most dangerous lead in soccer? Yeah. That's a thought that I just came up with. That's, oh I, can you believe that? It's, it's brilliant. I can't yeah. believe you just came up with that take. Thank I mean, you. Oh Thank my you. God. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared it here for the first yeah, time ever. For the first time. On yeah. the Southside Chat podcast. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Well, I mean that two, <laughs> that two zero lead though, coming for the rest stars and how they got it. I mean, to sort of get that goal, that first goal, right. In Providence park against all these fans, like 18,000 of them, right. Just before halftime is huge right you know what I mean so that's so funny you talk about sort of like the whiplash of like a momentum swing and like the fear of a two goal lead for them to sort of get this goal from Sam Kerr out of like nothing just creating this goal right and then going into halftime feeling good and then coming into the second half and then getting that goal that second goal so quickly and then sort of having that feeling of like oh man like was that too quick did we just give the thorns all of this additional time (laughs) to try to come back in this game you know uh fatigue is real short rest is real travel is real and uh i think eventually that ended up sort of catching up to the rest stars in small ways, but it's difficult to sort of argue that because of the level of play, I think that we ended up seeing from the red stars down the stretch. I mean, they had opportunities to still win this game down the stretch. It was wild. It was absolutely wild to witness this thing. Um, just live in, in Providence park. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. I have to say though, the, type of soccer that 
we've got to see the Red Stars play over these last two games, but specifically this last match against the Thorns in Providence Park, I think is huge. And I know the Red Stars are coming off of a 0-0 draw. And I know they're coming off of a 2-2 draw in these last two matches. But the level of soccer that we have been seeing from the Red Stars, I believe is something to be feared. I think if you're a team that is trying to vie for playoff positioning and you have to play the Red Stars, you better be going, oh shit. Yeah, I mean, there were moments, uh, there were moments during this Portland game that, uh, you know, Kerr specifically and, and Chicago put that Portland defense on top of its own head. They, they rocked, they, you know, they rocked their world for, for moments of this match. And I mean, the highlights are there. You can go back and watch them. Yeah. Emily Sonnet had some trouble, man. She had some yeah. trouble and she was, she was she chipping, she game. was chipping at that official 10 minutes into this match. Yeah. She knew she was going to have her hands full and she uh, did everything to her ability to uh, work whatever advantage she possibly could that didn't always necessarily have to do with playing the game of soccer, but you know what? Fair play. You know, they're all playing the same game. So, you know, I, that, I, I said, I said early on, I said, I decided I'm not going to be mad tonight. They're not going to make me mad. And they didn't. So it's all about the power <laughs> they of the didn't. mind. It was a mental match, both for yeah. the actual athletes who were playing this game and also those of us who were covering it and those who were just trying to watch it for some enjoyment, right? It was just a mental yep. thing that everybody had to lock into. I'm going to ask you maybe a controversial question, Claire, and ask you to go on record. Mm. Did Alyssa Nair get fouled in the box? Oh, man, I think, I mean, probably, right? I just, I think that, I think that it was equally, it was a poor clearance by Nair. Um, But also, I think if she had really gone for that ball and, like, decked Lindsay Horan in order to get it, we'd be having the same conversation but about the opposite thing. I don't know if there's a best way for that to have happened. And I think it's pretty much squarely 50-50 down the line of, uh, you know, people who think that that was or, or was not a foul. Um, I think that, I don't know. I, we, we were talking about this a little bit, but my biggest thing is less about the semantics of how those goals got scored but whether or not you think that the Thorns would have found a way to have scored without kind of the weirdness of those two goals, like without uh, Nayer being on the ground with an open net or without Christine Sinclair somehow controlling that ball while she was falling. I swear nine times out of 10, she does not. I mean, Sinclair is obviously incredible, but that (laughs) that was was a remarkable, that was remarkable. That was fantastic. I was even like, wow, I, can't even be mad at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I, but I, that's where I, that's where I struggle. And that's also where it's really easy to weigh all of those things right now while we're still in the regular season. But the reality is these refs are going to be refing the postseason. And then it will literally just be about what happened on each goal. And I don't necessarily trust that to, uh, feel totally logical and justified. Yeah, no, I, I know that um, it's always said that Providence Park is this sort of place where players 
love to go play in and that it's not just a it's not just like oh this is a home field advantage for the thorns you have players in this league who say yeah i, I want to go to providence like i love playing in providence park who just sort of feed off of that energy that happens in portland and sam kerr is absolutely one of those players and i thought it was very interesting in some of her post game uh comments she was asked about scoring in Providence Park and she mentioned how there were a few players on the team who you know are aware of their record against the Thorns especially at Providence Park and basically said like yeah we don't win here and then Sam sort of took that balled it up and dunked it and was like I love playing here let's do this Um, so I thought it was kind of interesting to just sort of have that sort of in the back of your mind and then sort of have the kind of game that we saw on the pitch that night I felt like the Red Stars for good chunks of that game large majority of it were honestly at times they looked like the team that were going to come out with a win against the Thorns you had like you know just total shots like you know 7 to 18 you know on goal you know four versus seven so there's like some of these significant like stats areas within the match where they ended up you know beating the thorns and I think even in the first half you know they had it was like half of those I think came in the first first half for for Chicago so the opportunities and stuff are there and we're sort of seeing this type of soccer being played by the red stars and that's what I guess what I mean when I say that it, it looks intimidating you know and I think it would be even more intimidating if maybe one of these last three games, I'll even include the one against North Carolina, would have been a win. Yeah, I agree. And I think that is where a lot of it still is just a mental issue. I don't think, and I think, you know, Dames gets on them about this a little bit. It certainly did during the North Carolina game where they mentally don't always believe that they are playing at the same level as some of the these other teams. And you can be as quality as you, you know, you want to be, but if you don't actually think not only that you can win these games, but that you're going to, uh, that's a tough thing to overcome. And I'm not sure that's maybe the final piece for, uh, for Chicago for me that I, they don't have a win yet. That makes me think that they comfortably feel like they are as good and or better than the other three teams in playoff position right now. And I think that's where Sam Kerr is different. Sam Kerr does have that belief because she is that good and knows that. And with that, you know, she obviously that, you know, gave them the spark that they needed to at least pull ahead. Um, And I would wonder what it would look like with them not on short rest, but I also just wonder how much of that is, whether they actually thought they could hold on for a win. You know, I mean, yes, as you stated tonight for the first time ever, a two goal lead. My concept is the most dangerous. Yeah. yeah. A two goal lead is, is the most dangerous lead in, in soccer, but at the same time, and I think I maybe even said it on one of these episodes (laughs) this season that, you know, the NWSL, a two-goal lead is actually not uncommon 
And depending on the team it is and depending on the day of the week that it is, it's probably enough to get you that win. Yeah, this is true. And this is also just where the Thorns are very good. And, uh, you know, we can go back and forth about, you know, this game all, you know, all night. But um, I just think that these two teams are very evenly matched. I think they equally expose the other team's issues. And that's why I think all three games uh, this year, minus maybe the one that was embroiled in all the pre-trade stuff, uh, were really, really good. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree 100%. I believe one of my initial post-game reactions after the Portland and Chicago match was I went on Twitter and it was like right in between sort of um, the the match ending and then having to wait to do some some post-game interviews with Rory Dames and the players where I just kind of hopped on Twitter and I said, wow, like I can't believe that the Chicago Red Stars have been giving all of us who are watching like the championship type of game that we deserve because the game against North Carolina, the game against Seattle and now the game against Portland, I think has been some of the best soccer that we've seen from NWSL teams in this league. And that you're talking about a Seattle team that didn't have Megan Rapino on the pitch. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, you're talking about a North Carolina game that didn't have McCall's or Boney in it, you know? And it's like, it's wild to me that these three games have sort of been that intense, um, you know, and that wild, you know? So it's been a real treat to sort of watch and cover these last uh, few games. And, you know, for the Red Stars, I think you could sort of see in their level of play and maybe even in some of their frustration and them missing their opportunities, um, starting to see like how very much that's true for them, that right now this is the playoffs for them. This isn't just regular season games and vying for a position. They are absolutely sort of going into these games with that kind of mentality. And I believe it was Alyssa Nair who actually went on the record and said so. Um, again, that's there's some post-game audio out there for for those of you who are listening, if you're interested. Um, we have some from the Portland game that I was at. So you'll have like Rory Dames and Sam Kerr and um, Listen Air and, and Nikki Stanton as well um, for some post-game audio. And we included that within Claire's sort of initial recap of this Portland Chicago game. And it's actually up at hot time in Old Town right now. People are interested in some of the, the post-game audio in case you're looking to plug in some holes and um, sort of vibe with what we're, we're talking about right now. But um, three draws for Chicago in their last three games, two coming off of, a, I think two coming off of a road trip, I think is, is really big against two teams because the next game that they have coming up is against a team that they've technically sort of uh, pushed out <laughs> of playoff positioning while Chicago got themselves two draws and now 31 points on the table. The Orlando pride faced North Carolina courage and lost and are sitting at the table with 30 points. So the rest are, as we speak right now are in playoff contention in the fourth seed. So as they visit Orlando on August 25th, it's looking like it's going to be another one of those playoff type games. Claire, what do you think the Red Stars need to come out with in this game? I mean, I, uh, I, you know, I talked at length about, you know, the Red Stars having some mental, 
mental issues with with holding on to the game plan. But the only team that probably does that worse is uh, is Orlando. Um, I think I don't know what's happening with Orlando right now. I think that they obviously have still have very talented pieces, but they are really not gelling this year. Um, but also the Pride have totally had the Red Stars number. So I, I'm i not entirely sure what to expect out of this match. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm right there with you. And I'm going to say that I feel like when Orlando faced Chicago earlier this season, it was a much different team. And I feel like now that they're going to be facing each other for this third and final regular season matchup, they are both two completely different teams than they were in these previous matches back in, I think it was like May, right? And Mm -hmm. they have to go on the road again and they have to go to Orlando and they have to come away with a win. Let's be real here. Because if they get a win in Orlando, those final two games against New Jersey, which is the rescheduled game for September 4th, and then that final game against Utah, maybe feel a little less prominent. Right. They can't. Yeah, they can't tie this game. They have. I think they genuinely I know we called Portland a must win and I still kind of think that it was. But I think they have to win this game if they want to play in the postseason. These types of games, I mean, they they feel like six point games. Right. You get you get the points on a team that is eyeing you know, playoff positioning and um, they have the head to head breaker against the Chicago Red Stars and um, they're on their back heels as well. You know, Orlando don't have that extra game in hand to play at the end of this season like the Red Stars do. So including Orlando, the Red Stars have three games remaining, whereas Orlando has two and one of them is against Chicago. So, it's it's definitely coming down to the wire, but I think that this is a match that the Red Stars should go in there and that they should win. However, this is the NWSL and nothing's ever easy. And, you know, when you're a team that's sort of on a bit of a skid, you're looking for that next game to pounce. So I absolutely expect Orlando to come out swinging in this match. Yeah, uh, and Orlando... Not, you know, the in actually both the North Carolina and the Portland game, they started both of those games very strong. Um, Chicago is going to have to weather a storm for the first 30 minutes of that game. And if they can do that, they really have a shot, but they can't give up something early because Orlando comes out with a high press. They got what, like, like 10 corner kicks or something in the first. 20 minutes of, of that, that Portland game. Yeah, yeah no, it was totally yeah. wild. And I, I know part of me, a part of me honestly kind of felt for Orlando because everybody's part of this club, right? This year in 2018, where they've just had an ass whooping from yeah. the courage. Oh, and theirs came late. And, I, and theirs came yeah. late, man. And like the worst part yeah. of the season. And it was, it was difficult to watch because like you said, they came out, they came out swinging in this match against Carolina and for 75 minutes there was sort of just like this well are they gonna at least come away with a a result you know a draw and then in the 75th minute in those last 15 minutes it just North Carolina ended up just doing what they do 
And they ended up coming away with this three goal victory against against Orlando, you know, and against honestly a really great goalkeeping performance from Ash and Harris. Um, so I think those type of losses um, motivate you in general. And I think coupled with the intensity and the significance of what this match coming up against Chicago will mean in the standings, it's it's going to be a hell of a game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who has to have a, who has to have a, who has to be the, the Red Star MVP in this game? I think oh, that's a good question. I think Julie Ertz is going to have to have a good game. I think uh, the outside backs again are going to have to hold it down. And this is, I, I don't think the issue, clearly the issue with Orlando the last time wasn't that Chicago couldn't score on them. It's that they couldn't defend. So it's really just going to be on that defense showing that it's evolved enough to keep Orlando in check. Because like I said, it's going to be high intensity from the get go. So. Yeah, same. I want to, I want to say, and hopefully knock on wood, I don't jinx it, but I want this to be the game that Morgan Bryan gets a goal. I feel like she's been knocking and I feel like there's been some good uh, buildup and some good run to play uh, coming through Morgan Bryan, and I feel like she's got it in her, and I want Morgan Bryan to get a goal in this game, and I think she could. Yeah, I dig that. And if it's not Morgan Bryan, I would like to see somebody else score. I agree. I'm with you. I obviously cur for Golden Boot, love it, but um, I also want to see some diversity in the goal scoring. Diversity is good, guys. Representation matters. <laughs> <laughs> Midfielder, y'all gotta get midfielders scoring representation matters. Y'all gotta y'all gotta get on that y'all gotta get on that scoreline, man. Katie Nodden, where you at? I know you got yeah, it in right. you. I know you got it in you. But uh, yeah, wi- wild couple of games uh, could be another wild one on the horizon. So that led to a pretty wild episode. Thanks for hanging out with me, Claire. I know it's gone a little longer than we're used to, so thank you all for hanging in and listening. Uh, Claire, I want you to you know inform the folks out there where they can find you and all your good work. Yes, indeed. You can find me on a hot time in Old Town multiple times a week, just, you know, throwing down with that uh, Chicago content. You can also find me on The Equalizer, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Scout Ripley, which is the name of my band. The band is good, y'all. The band is good, and they are local from Chicago. Yeah, we have a show. We have a show the night of North Carolina's already scheduled semifinal. <laughs> Hell no, no, you did <laughs> This is unfortunate. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, we scheduled it first, so. This is true. Could you imagine if that ends up having to be what we won't, <laughs> what we won't speak of right now? <laughs> I know. Oh man, well, that'll be quite the day. You will be, oh my God, you'll be dying. You'll yeah. Be dying. I'll be dying for you, man. That's yeah. why everybody if you can please support your favorite <laughs> local chicago band scott ripley but not on the semifinal but definitely support them in other ways yeah i mean later after the semifinals over yeah we're toasting the red stars amazing upset over the yeah North that's what's gonna happen catch us catch the scott ripley show yeah that's what it's gonna be y'all it's gonna turn into celebrations let the lie, let the libations flow. Hopefully, we're we're dreaming now. We're pitching a dream. Yeah, we're pitching a dream, right. pitching a dream tent. But 
If you want to follow me and my shenanigans, you can do that on Twitter at Sandrera underscore. That's S-A-N-D, last name H-E-R-R-E-R-A underscore. And if you want to continue to support the Southside Trap podcast, you can do that. You can do that by following us along on Twitter at Southside Trap Pod. That's with one letter P, Southside Trap Pod. You can find us over on Podbean. Or you can also find us on iTunes at Southside Trap Podcast. You can go ahead and find us and subscribe. Maybe give us a like or two, a little review. Tell us how much you love the city of Chicago because it's awesome. Trust me, I do. Claire, happy belated birthday. I don't know if you felt it, but your gift was me talking all about how much I love the city of Chicago all over the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I could feel the vibes. The vibes were good. They were positive. Yeah. They, they drifted over. They drifted over to uh, to Ohio, uh, not unlike uh, wildfire smoke, but much nicer. I'm telling you, man, Southside forever, but you know Chicago over everything, and uh, it was good vibes. So hopefully we'll be back next week to recap a Chicago Red Stars win for all y'all. Okay, but uh, until then, it's been real, fam. Peace.